0: Would you please stand and let's sing together about our chain breaking God? Been walking the same old road for miles and
1: miles. If you've been hearing the same old voice tell the same old lie. you're trying to fill the same old holes
2: inside,
1: well, there's a better
2: life. There's a better life. Okay.
0: our chains but he's forgiven us of our sins when we re- when, if we confess our sins he's faithful and just to forgive us if you're happy about this morning can you say hallelujah hallelujah, hallelujah. let's keep singing it's a happy day <laughs> are good.
3: Good to see everybody, thanks for taking the time to join us today for worship. We will continue our worship time after a while, but we'd like to take a little time to um, do our tithes and our offerings today, bring our tithes and our offerings to the Lord, so I'd like to invite our ushers to join me up here, and I want to say A prayer over this time of giving. Let's see, we have one ready to go. They're coming, all right. While while they're getting in place, let me just remind us that we have electronic giving options. Uh, If that's the way that you prefer to, to handle your giving, we got ways that you can do that, and it shows up there on the screen. How to make that happen. But again, I want to say a prayer. Jesus, we honor you today. You are our King. You are our Lord. You are our God. You are our all in all. We celebrate because of the life, the abundant life that you have given us, the way you have changed us and transformed us. It's remarkable. It's a miracle. And we celebrate that today we celebrate your provision in our lives, in our, in our family lives, and in our church family life. You are our provider. You alone are our provider. So we bring our gifts to you today, our tithes and our offerings, and we simply ask that you will use it, bless it, multiply it, accomplish your kingdom purposes with it, build your church with it, we pray in Christ's name, and everybody said Kiddos, yes, you can that. come on great up.
2: Time, t-
0: sold tons of stuff today at our garage sale. Really had great success. But we've got so okay, much left. We're going to do the same thing again today, Sunday, from 12 until 3. So come on by. Was that on purpose? 203 South Baldwin, <laughs> the bottom floor of True Life Medicine. Join us. Come find some goodies. Almost everything <laughs> is a dollar or less, and it will benefit the Zuni Missions trip. Thanks.
3: That's a really good effect. It's a really good effect. Oh, that's great. I want to invite everyone to the book of John, the gospel of John, chapter 15. And while we're doing that, kiddos, you can head on out with Miss McKenzie. She's got some awesome stuff prepped for you up there. Gospel of John, chapter 15. We're going to start the reading right at verse 1. Realize that as we dig into this reading, what what has just happened is um, Jesus and his disciples have just finished what we call the Last Supper, their Passover meal. And, um, and Jesus is heading, leading them toward the Garden of Gethsemane. They, they Even though he has made it clear uh, what is about to unfold, they just haven't had ears to hear what he was saying about how the dominoes are going to start falling, and, and, and they really are about to start falling that way. So they're in transition from the upper room to the Garden of Gethsemane. And as they're transitioning from the upper room to the Garden of Gethsemane, they, they are passing through, and uh, most likely passing through an, an, a, a, a vineyard. And as they're passing through, and I like to visualize things this way. I like to understand what's happening in the context. So as you're visualizing them kind of passing through the vineyard, and, and they're following him, not exactly sure uh, where he's leading them, I can imagine him stopping and turning around and maybe there's some grapes hanging right there, and he just begins to talk to them very plainly and very clearly, and realize that as you read through these words, John 15 in particular, these are some of his last words to them prior to his death. Now, he raises from the dead, and he makes his appearances to them, and there's, more teaching that, that comes following, but, but we're talking about critical moments here. And, and he says these profound words, and, and it starts this way I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. Now, let's pause there because um, not only is he using the environment that they're in to, to begin to explain to them something. But I think it's important for us to realize what they're thinking when he says, I am the true vine. Most likely, their mentality is w- when, when God speaks of the vineyard, the Jewish mindset is going to be that he's talking about Israel. You can, you can find it in, in the Psalms. Um, and even Jesus' own words just a few days before described Israel as a vineyard. It's kind of their normal way of, of thinking. So so when, when the vineyard picture is used, they're used to thinking of Israel as a whole, okay? I think this is important for us to understand because it helps bring context to Jesus' clarification here when he says, I am the true vine. Their perspective would have been that the vine would be Israel and and he steps in there and he adds he adds a clarification word i am the true vine and my father is the gardener think about uh this parable that jesus just had spoken a few days before you find it in matthew chapter 21 i believe it's not in john matthew chapter 21 and and jesus uh says uh the kingdom of heaven is, is like a, a vineyard that a, a farmer has created, and, and he leaves the vineyard, and, and when he leaves the vineyard, he leaves some workers behind to tend to it. Later on, the owner of that vineyard sends some servants there to check in on things, and when he sends the servants there to check in on things, the workers in the vineyard kill those servants he does it again kills the servants and so the owner says well then i'll i'll send my own son surely they'll respond to him and uh when they when they when he sends his son the son shows up then they plot well let's kill the son and we'll keep the inheritance for ourselves he's talking about israel in fact, the reaction to that parable is so strong that it says that, that the Pharisees and teachers of the law begin to plot on how they're going to kill this man, Jesus, get rid of this, this problem, this person that keeps bringing this harsh teaching against them. So you can understand that when, 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 the, when the picture of the vineyard is being brought to the table, Israel's first notion is to think of themselves as the vineyard. Okay, with that context in mind, Jesus says this, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, This is to my Father's glory, the gardener, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. Other. He's got some things that, that, that he reiterates in here several times. You hear the word fruit several times. You hear the phrase, love one another several times. Obviously, the goal here, according to him, since we are the branches in this vineyard, is that he wants us to be fruitful. In fact, there's a progression as he's using these words that he goes from fruitful to bearing more fruit to bearing much fruit. There's a, there's a, a growth curve here that he's anticipating that our fruitfulness will grow. That we won't just kind of be bearing fruit, but that we'll be bearing more fruit and then ultimately much fruit. But how does this growth happen? And he makes it very clear. Remain in me, he says. I think King James Version says abide in me. Um, Abide is probably not a word that anybody in here used this past week, right? You probably weren't like, hey what 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 are you doing oh I'm just abiding in the office right you no no one probably used that word today but that's that's essentially uh the 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 old english word for remain in me mean, that that's what we're talking about here dwelling remaining abiding being connected to the vine is crucial for bearing fruit and 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 the the more significantly that we're connected into the vine seems to um, predicate the amount of fruit that will come forth. Remain in me, I will remain in you, and, and you will bear more fruit. Or to the point that you will bear much fruit. And that end result is significant because it screams to the world, You are his disciple. When you show that you are bearing fruit, more fruit, much fruit, you are proving to those around you that you truly are a disciple, that you truly are a branch that is connected in to the vine. Now, there's a little bit of controversy in regards to one of his phrases, and it, and it happens right there in verse 2. It's strong, strong phrase. It says, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. This is a controversial statement. And there are there are some in the church that really struggle with this phrase. When I say the church, I'm talking about kingdom here, the, the whole church. With the notion that he would uh, cut off branches is is a real struggle for some. And and there are some commentators that that will argue that really that's that's probably an, an incorrect description of the Greek word. That a better description of the Greek word that's used here would be to lift up. And the the imagery of the vineyard. And the value of the branch in the vineyard would be such that if the branch is is so low hanging that it's that it's in the dirt and 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 causing the branch to not bear fruit, that the owner of the vineyard would not come and cut that off. There's too much value to that branch that he would actually lift it up off of the ground. And prop it up so and, and clean it off, dust it off, prune it so that it would bear more fruit. I can understand that argument, and I might buy I might buy into that, but I also know that there's a sifting that happens in in the kingdom when there are when there are branches or when there are people that are faking it, um, not really connected to the vine, but hang around the vine, want to act like they're a part of the vineyard, and, and they, they might even talk like they're connected to the vine sometimes, uh, but maybe secretly or behind closed doors, um, there's a whole different life that's happening. And there, there is a reality in the kingdom, and Jesus highlights this to this group of people in particular, because as, as he heads into death and resurrection and ascension, these are the ones that are going to carry the gospel forth. That which he has shown and taught them, they are going to show and teach the rest of us. And you can walk through the book of Acts, and you can run into people that are faking it. Man, Ananias and Sapphira are are a great example of that. Ananias and Sapphira, in the early part of the church, are hanging around the vineyard. Hanging around, acting like they're part of the vine. In fact, they do this thing where they sell off property, and they bring some of the earnings of that property to the feet of the disciples, and they throw it down at the feet of the disciples. That act in and of itself would have been just fine, but they had deception on their lips and in their hearts. They wanted everybody to believe that 100% of what they got from that cell they were bringing to the feet of the disciples, when in fact that was not true. They withheld part of it to themselves. That act would not have been a problem. They can hold back whatever they wanted to, but they purposed to deceive the church and the Holy Spirit exposed their deception. And it's kind of freaky, but they both dropped dead right there at the feet of the disciples. See, there, there, the reality is, is, is there are some that want to play the part, but never do get connected into the vine. Jesus is explaining this. To the disciples here it's going to cut off the branches that aren't bearing fruit because the ones that aren't bearing fruit are clearly not remaining, abiding, connecting communing, they're not really connected to the vine and they this kind of sifting you can, you can see it happen as you walk through the rest of the New Testament uh, I think of the example of Hymenaeus and Alexander. Hymenaeus, probably another word that nobody used this week. I think you read about them in 1 Timothy chapter 1 or 2. Hymen- Hymenaeus and Alexander shipwrecked their faith, is how Paul describes it. And because of that, he's handed them over to Satan. In other words, they, they apparently had faith, they had some level of faith, and then it was shipwrecked. They changed courses. They they di- they they rejected the the core truth of, of the doctrine, of, and 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 most likely it had to do with Jesus being fully man and fully God. Um, this thing was this teaching was was hard for people to believe because fundamentally, a lot of people back then believed that anything physical uh, was inherently evil. And because God was perfectly holy, there was no way that God could cram himself into flesh because flesh was inherently evil. So they had to come up with some alternative idea of understanding how Jesus was Messiah, how Jesus was, was, walked this earth and, and suffered and died. And Paul's like, you, you walk away from the core central theme of Jesus dying on the cross, as, as a physical man then you you are unearthing our entire story of redemption. Hymenaeus and Alexander were doing that very thing and shipwrecked their faith. So we have examples of this and, and Jesus is ex- expressing this. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes. So those of us that are truly connected to the vine, and are, are, are bearing fruit to whatever degree, he's going to come along from time to time, the gardener is, and he's going to prune us. He's going to, another word for this, or another description would be cleansing, cleaning us. Because the truth is, and this this is our story, the truth is, our Our growth in sanctification, our growth in holiness is a process, and in the midst of that process that 's happening, there are times where pruning has to happen where the Holy Spirit comes and reveals something to us, checks our hearts about it we we discover something that 's going on inside of us um, or something that 's quite obvious, an addiction of some sort that 's happening and and the gardener comes along and and checks our hearts, checks our spirit, and says that that's an unholy thing and it's hindering your ability to bear fruit. I want to rid you of this. I want to deliver you of this. I want to prune this out of your life. Why? So that you can bear even more fruit. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, Now, he turns the picture around a little bit. We're still the branches, and the branches are connected into the vine. But then he says, he adds this thing. Not only are you going to remain in me or abide in me, but I'm going to remain in you or abide in you. Those of us that have grown up in the church, we've heard this all of our lives. Invite Jesus into your heart. Invite him into your life. He abides, he abides. Hallelujah, he abides with me. Some of us know that song, right? We are the branches in this vineyard connected into the vine. And when we connect into the vine, there's this I don't know if the word is transference. I want to use that word where he begins to abide in us as well. Paul makes it clear. We are his temple now. We are his dwelling place. We are his abiding place now, right here. We, us. If you remain in me and I in you, then you will bear much fruit apart from me, you're not going to accomplish anything. A fruitless branch. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. And he moves into this explanation of the divine love that is flowing through the vine, from the vine, into the branches, and from the branches, or into the branches, through the branches, to other branches, is basically what he's saying. As, as I have experienced love from the Father, I'm passing that love on to you, and as I'm passing that love on to you, pass it on to one another. This is how you show the world that you are truly a part of this vineyard, That my father is the gardener of. How we relate to one another, church, is critical. It's proof text to what's happening in here. It's one thing to say that you are connected to the vine, it's another thing to show or prove that you are connected to the vine. I think this is what we hear. From James, right, in the book of James, he's like, hey, you can go ahead and tell me you have faith. You can say it all you want to. I'm going to show you that I have faith by my actions. I'm going to show you my faith by the works that I'm up to. It's one thing to speak of it. It's another thing to walk it out. How we love one another puts legs, puts feet to this thing called faith and belief, it it shows, it expresses the truth that we are branches truly connected to the vine. That's part of the significant fruit that Jesus is talking about. Simply obey my command. My command is this, love one another as I have loved you. That's how we move from being servants of God to being, he calls us friends. Other parts of the scripture, we're called his children. Man, when we, when we are truly connected to the vine, um, we, we step out of just mere humanity into, into a, a realm of the divine. Connecting to the vine connects us to the divine. There's a whole different way of living that, that should be expressed when we're bearing more fruit and much fruit. No longer servants, you now are our friends, even my brothers and sisters of the family of God. Here's what here's what we want to do. We want to practice abiding. We want to practice connecting in or communing with the vine. It's something that we, we do every Sunday but sometimes we just do it with without explanation, without delineation, without maybe some of us have done it without real understanding about why we do what we do. S- some of us uh, in the church who have been in the church a long time, we've seen the the atmosphere of, church or the atmosphere of worship change dramatically I basically have been in the church my whole life, 40 (laughs) or whatever years in the last 20 years things have changed rapidly The, the church that I grew up in was pretty much the same and probably looked the same as it did the previous um, decades. But over the last 20 years, things have just changed dramatically. The environment of worship, the sound of worship, the songs of worship have changed dramatically. Those, for those of you that have been in the church longer than me, I know you're, you're, you may not be physically nodding your head now, but in your heart you're like, yeah, he's right. There's many of us that come from very, very different backgrounds, very different kinds of churches even. And and we we come into this, we come into this room together for the purpose of worshiping. Why do we do what we do? The simple answer to that is so that we can connect into the vine so that we can remain in him and, and somehow through, through a morning gathering where, where we're worshiping and, and communing and connecting in with the vine in a special way that, that there's an infilling that's happening, an empowerment that's happening for the purpose of bearing even more fruit or upwards of Much. But if you're like me, you can find it challenging sometimes to commune or connect or worship for a variety of reasons. Could be whatever's been happening during the week, it's just hard to throw that off and focus. Whatever might be happening in in your family dynamics or in your workplace, your finances, what whatever relationships, whatever stresses of life or the world, you, you, you walk into a 10 o'clock hour on a Sunday morning and you're just carrying all of it. And, and the, the weight of that can be such a hindrance that, that it's just hard to cast those cares down at his feet and, and choose worship. Some people just, that's really hard for them to make that transition. And enter into that place of communion. Uh, for for some of us, um, familiarity can be a challenge. It, it could be as simple as as knowing or not knowing the songs. You know, when it comes to the songs that 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 we do here, our the the challenge for us is. The reality of familiarity. There are so many different backgrounds, church backgrounds represented in this room, that even if we only did hymns, realize that the the probability of everybody knowing every hymn is, is very unlikely. Because some had a different hymnal when they were growing up than others over here. Or... The church that they grew up in only did a few hymns, and the other, this church over here that this person grew up in, they did every single hymn. Familiarity is is an interesting reality. It's it's uh, it's it could be totally different than what is to you than what is to the person sitting next to you. Even I use an example of of my youngest son just a, a couple months ago we were having a a conversation about hymns, and we started talking about the hymn Rock of Ages. And he's like, wait a second, I thought that was a Def Leppard song. Which it is. Okay, familiarity. When I say the word Rock of Ages in here, many of us connect immediately to the tune, Rock of Ages, cleft for me, let me hide. And, you, and that song will immediately come into your mind. But for others, that there is zero familiarity to that tune. In fact, it may be more connected to a Def Leppard song. Familiarity could be very different from the one from you to the to the even the person that is sitting next to you. So when it comes to even song choices for us. We're not trying to chase after everybody's preferences in here, because if we did that, we would never land anywhere. We wouldn't be able to. So our, our goal is simple. Can we create an environment where everybody can take a step into communing with the vine? In fact, we feel like if we've done our job as worship leaders, You won't even leave talking about, oh, so glad they did that song, or I'm so glad they did that song. You'll be simply consumed by the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit in your life because you have authentically communed. But see, there's only so much influence that we have in this because no matter how perfectly we create the environment, the end result is what will you choose to do? Will you choose to commune, connect, worship, or will you simply be a spectator? And that responsibility falls in each one of our own laps. Again, the goal is every branch connecting into the vine. That's our heart's desire. We've been asked about um, other pieces of the environment. And I just want to mention the lighting, for instance. It's all dimmed down here. And we've had some say, well, Jesus is the light. We should worship with the lights on full on, because Jesus is light. It's a fair statement. Fair statement. So some churches turn their lights all the way off for worship. Some leave the lights all the way on. And and depending on what your background is, um, lighting may never even be a factor. Why, why do we do what we do? Why do we ask, Children to close their eyes when they pray. You ever thought to ask that question? Why do we ask children to close their eyes when we pray? Somebody, it's an easy answer, right? Eliminate the distraction so they're not looking around. It's a very simple answer. There's no trick to that. We know exactly that mechanism. You know it's really not that much different for us in here. It can be pretty easy to be be distracted in a room like this right you can you can with the lights fully on you're you're noticing everything out of the corner of your eye. This person's moving around, getting up and down. Wow, can't believe she wore that today oh. Oh man, I'm so glad he finally came back to church. you know I mean, what you know all these things that kind of you know are flowing through our minds can can be real distractions to us. A really good ploy is to turn the lights down because when that happens there's a there's a focus that can. that that has a tendency to happen, right? Truth is, we're not that much different than our kids. Sometimes we need a little help to bring our focus to where it needs to be. Well, I don't know. It just feels like a rock concert. I mean, I guess if you're spectating, it would. But see, that's not me, because I want this. I, I need this. And I need whatever help that I can get to get to this place. See, if we, if we come into this space thinking about the past, thinking about what things used to be like, hung, so hung up on the way church used to be, can we ever move forward in our our growth to where we're bearing more fruit and much fruit? It's a challenge. Because like I said, things have changed so fast in the last 20 years. You know, before the mid-90s happened, it was pretty simple. There was church music, and then there was Christian music that sound funny but it's true right you turn on the radio and you might hear if if you're listening to christian radio you might hear michael w smith or amy grant or imperials or whatever whatever artists they they might be playing christian songs but not songs that were church songs you go into church and then there was church songs and they were two separate things but somewhere in the mid-90s, recording artists started recording and creating church songs. And so then, over the last 20 years, we've had this real integration where now when you turn on the radio, when you turn on Christian radio, maybe half of the songs that you're going to listen to are going to be songs that are that are church songs now, which is amazing. We We have... We've, we have grown in our, in the Christian music industry. It's, it's a wonderful thing. But what it's done is it's created its challenges for those of us that come into church and, and we still think with the old paradigm that radio music and church music are two different things. If we were trained in that, we can kind of keep carrying that with us. And when we carry that with us, we carry that with us as we come into this space and when we do that and then the church music sounds like the radio, we suddenly have this tug of war or whatever and and then this whole thing happens and and it's over and you walk out and maybe you did or maybe you didn't. Because oftentimes when it comes to What I'm talking about, we can become so me-centered that we miss out on the whole point of being here in the first place, connecting in, abiding in, communing with, remaining in the vine. Jesus changed the game. These words were radical; the whole concept was radical, and it, in a sense, was it. it, it he was encouraging them to depart from the old Israel, being the vine, Israel being the center point and realizing that now it's Jesus. He is the fulfillment of all of this. And because he's the fulfillment of all of this, if we remain in him, then, and he remains in us, then no matter where we go, and these, these men and women became evangelists. They were taking this radical message outside of Jerusalem and outside of Judea and all Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Here we are today talking about this thing. wrestling with the same tensions shooting for the same goal over 2,000 years later I want to invite the worship team back up here and as that's happening I want to I want to ask us to do something. And I realize that one of two things has probably happened today. I've either brought clarity in here or I've stirred the pot. I don't know which. Maybe it's both. I don't know. But sometimes stirring the pot is a good thing because it it makes us think. It makes us process. it It makes us become on purpose about who we are and about what we're doing and why we're doing it easy to get into this lull of well it's Sunday morning let's go to church let's go do church or whatever and we lose sight of this I want to ask us now to be on purpose about this I can't do it for you the best I can do is 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 try to create an atmosphere where this becomes easier for you to do this but ultimately it's your call. And I'm not going to tell you today what true worship looks like. Because the the fact is for me that that can look very different depending on what's going on in my life. I don't I think this song was from the 70s. So those of us that remember the 70s are going to remember this song. Sometimes, hallelujah, sometimes praise the Lord. Anybody remember that song? Sometimes gently weeping, right? (laughs) Old, old song, but it, it communicates something. Authentic worship happens in different ways, depending on what's happening. I mean, sometimes I show up and I'm just ready to celebrate, ready to party. Yeah. Be, and then sometimes I come in and man, life has been so heavy. I, I this this is hard, but man, I can. I'm here. And I realize that this could be the difference between an extrovert and an introvert too. Right? Personality comes into play. So I'm not going to say this is the only way to worship. But there is something about this that's unique. If you saw me on the the side of the road doing this, the first thing you're probably going to do is look for the police officer. Or if you saw me standing in a bank... And I'm doing this, you're gonna look for the robber, who's got the gun, right? There's is an act of surrender. It's a statement of surrender. Uh, it's a it's a letting go. This position of of, of praise has testimony attached to it. It has trust attached to it, it. It communicates a number of things. And sometimes us humans, we have such a hard time of letting go that even, even moving to this position can be very, very difficult to do. There's something about this position that's very worshipful. It's not the only way. I want to, what I'm asking you, I'm going to say a prayer, and we're just, we're going to commune for a while. And my instructions um, are are wide open. I I want you to commune the way you need to commune today. Whatever you got to do to get here, uh, uh, that's all I'm asking. That's all I'm hoping for. I'm going to do this, and, I, and I, I hope that you will too. That might be standing with your arms up. That might be n- remaining seated. Uh, you may not even be able to open your mouth. We're going to open this space up as altars. Maybe Maybe there are some that just really need to kneel. I don't know what your response needs to be today, but I want to give you permission to respond the way you need to respond today. We're just going to commune. We're going to remain. We're going to abide. This is our goal. Jesus, you are the vine. We are the branches. We've discussed a great many things today. Some very scriptural and some just kind of practical about the here and the now. Our goal, Jesus, is to connect with you, to commune with you. We, we come together to worship you, the the true vine, knowing that the, the, the greater depth of, of connection and communion that we have with you, the greater the fruit, bringing you glory. I'm asking, Holy Spirit, that you will open up our hearts and our minds and our bodies to move into a place where we're bringing you worth, bringing you praise, communing with you in spirit and in truth, our eyes are fixed on you, Jesus, the author of
0: Know that singing is not the only way we abide in the vine. Another way is through scripture. And this morning you're going to hear some scriptures read between some of the songs. And I want to encourage you to receive them as God's words directly to you. They are. They're straight from the Bible, they're in first person. They were written that way. They are God's words, Jesus' words. And if these verses are familiar to you, I ask that you would set that aside, set that familiarity aside, and let them wash over you brand new, like the first time you're hearing them. Take them personal. They are personal words.
4: So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. All who rage against you will surely be ashamed and disgraced. Those who oppose you will be as nothing and perish. Though you search for your enemies, you will not find them. Those who wage war against you will be as nothing at all. For I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear. I will help you. Who This is what the Lord says to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I take hold of, to subdue nations before him, and to strip kings of their armor, to open doors before him so the gates will not be shut. I will go before you and will level the mountains. I will break down gates of bronze and cut through bars of iron. I will give you hidden treasures, riches stored in secret places, so that you may know that I am the Lord. God of Israel, who summons you by name. For the sake of Jacob, my servant, of Israel, my chosen, I summon you by name, and bestow on you a title of honor, though you do not acknowledge me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. Apart from me, there is no God. I will strengthen you, though you have not acknowledged me, so that from the rising of the sun to the place of its setting, People may know there is none besides me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. I form the light and create darkness. I bring prosperity and create disaster. I, the Lord, do all these things. You, heavens above, rain down my righteousness. Let the clouds shower it down. Let the earth open wide. Let salvation spring up. Let righteousness flourish with it, I, the Lord, have created.
3: with our head.
0: rainbow encircling the throne. I'm paraphrasing from Revelation. You can look it up. Chapter 5, I think. An incredible scene the throne of God. Maybe it's chapter 4. Chapter 4 or 5. 24 elders seated on thrones around the throne wearing golden crowns. And when the angels sing, Alleluia, they cast their crowns at his feet. And the four living creatures encircling the throne join in with all creation singing. Night and day, the word tells us numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000s upon 10,000s worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive glory and power and wealth and riches and majesty and honor and praise and we can do nothing less Jesus we worship you you are the victor you reign
4: sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand.
3: Jesus, we have chosen today to focus in on you. You are the author and perfecter of our faith. You are our redeemer. You are our sustainer. You are our strength. You are a strong and mighty tower. You are the vine. We are the branches. We choose to connect with you, commune with you. We choose to get ourselves so deep into you that who you are and who we are could be identical. (laughs) So consumed by you that we begin to emanate your essence. We begin to bear more fruit and much fruit. Glorifying you because our lives reflect you. Loving you, loving one. Honor you in all things. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus we pray. Everybody said, Will you stand with me? I want to say a blessing over you as we do. You may the Lord make his face to shine on you, be gracious to you, may his countenance come upon you. May, you, may he fill you with his peace and his presence this week. Have an incredible week connecting into the vine. I'm excited to see the fruit of that.